speaking to us tonight. I want us to think of that famous verse in verse 24, John 16, a much loved, much used, and much misunderstood verse. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. It's a promise. We can ask, we can pray, and the Lord promises to answer, or does he? Does that mean that every prayer request we make, he will answer in our time, in our way, or does it mean something else? Well, let's try to understand it tonight. This is the what we call the upper room discourse, John 13, 14, 15, and 16. And we're here in chapter 16. Christ is about to pray his high priestly prayer. And so there are lessons here as he comes to the end of these chapters, these four chapters before he comes to chapter 17 that we've been thinking about on Sunday mornings. What are the lessons that he's going to teach them? If you were going to leave somebody, wouldn't you leave the most important lessons until just before you leave them? When it's your master, when it's the Son of God, shouldn't we hang on every word? So we come to this verse. It's poignant. He's telling us how to pray again. And there's going to be a change in the way that we ought to pray. Before that, he's demonstrated his love to the disciples in chapter 13. He washes their feet. Who would have thought of doing that? before you leave your disciples. And yet there was a lesson in it, to teach them that he had come to serve, not to be served, and they must do the same. And so he comes and prepares the church. His church consists just of these few people, one who never had faith, Judas, and the eleven that he's addressing now. He's going to tell them that the church is going to grow and the church will be empowered. And out of these 11 men and the women, there will be rapid growth. How will that be possible? 11 people? The Lord is going to work, but first there will be sorrow. He tells them that. He tells them that there will be sorrow. Verily, verily. Verse 20. I say unto you, ye shall weep and lament. They would think about their friend going. Christ gone. Their teacher gone. Their guide disappeared. How can anything good now happen? Then he uses this illustration of a woman in childbirth. She first has the pain, then she forgets the pain. When the new birth comes, and that's what it will be like when the New Testament church is born, there will be pain, he's gone. And then it will all be forgotten, because there will be joy. So that's one of the lessons here. We thought about that on the Lord's Day. Look at the references to joy, verse 20, your sorrow 
shall be turned into joy. Verse 21, for joy that a man is born into the world. Verse 22, your joy nobody will be able to take from you. This is about assurance. This is about our confidence and our trust that Christ is our Saviour. This is the joy that's referred to here. Sorrow turned into joy. Joy that nobody can take from you. Joy that will be full, complete. That's something that only a believer in Christ can know. Not joy that comes and goes, but your joy, which no man shall take from you. Look at verse 24 to make the point for a final time. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. I'll come back to that. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy, your happiness, your state of blessing will be full. Only a believer can say that. A Christian that says, well, I don't really have joy. If you have Christ, you have everything. You have full joy. You have joy that can never be taken away. It won't be dimmed because you are in Christ. But then there's something else here in these verses. These are confusing until you understand them. It says, verse 24, Hitherto, up until now, you haven't prayed in my name. In fact, you haven't asked for anything. What does he mean? Have the disciples never prayed? No, they had prayed. But up until now, Christ's instruction, the way they'd prayed was different. Up until this point, they prayed to the Father. But from now on, they will pray to the Father, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is significant. Somebody asked me, they're here tonight, how should we pray? Do we pray to Christ? Do we pray to the Holy Spirit? Or do we pray to the Father? And the answer is, we pray to the Father. That's the overwhelming pattern of Old Testament and New Testament. But since Christ died, he's opened the new and living way, and we come to the Father through the Son. So is it right to say, Dear Lord Jesus, or I won't mention the words, even more familial terms, mate, talking to Christ as though he was just one of us and addressing him in prayer that way. That's not the biblical pattern. We still pray to the Father. Go back to verse 23. This is very important. It goes against the grain of what you'll hear in 90% of evangelical churches today. In that day, after you've had sorrow, your sorrow's been turned into joy. In that day when Christ has risen, verse 23, ye shall ask me nothing. You won't pray to me. Ye shall ask the Father 
For that's always who they prayed to in the Old Testament, the Father. They prayed to the Lord God. But whatsoever ye ask the Father in my name, that's what Christ is saying. And I want you to think of what that means. When we come to pray tonight, shortly, do we just come with anything on our mind? Any prayer for me? I want it, I want it now. All these difficulties, take them away. All my pains and aches and sorrows, may they evaporate? No, that's what, not what he's teaching. Go back to this familiar text. Ye shall receive when ye ask, but it must be in the name of Christ tells us that we can now come into the presence of God confidently. We can come only through Christ. So we come to the Father through the Son. And we come on account of what he has done for us individually. We come because he is our mediator, the one who stands between us and God, Therefore, we come with confidence. He's our mediator. Secondly, we ask the Father in Christ's name. Up until now, you've not prayed in my name, verse 24. But from now on, you are to pray in my name. Verse 26, it repeats it again. At that day, ye shall ask in my name. Don't pray to me. God is the giver, we come to God, but Christ is the one that we come in and through. We come on account of his merit, and we ask the Father in Christ's name. So what does that mean? What can we pray for tonight? Can we pray for anything? No, we pray in Christ's name. We pray for those things that he would want us to pray for. We pray for the things that are the will of the Father. But there's something else. What did Christ do through all his life? He sought to unfold and to fulfill the great plan of redemption. And when we come and pray in Christ's name, we particularly, when we ask, pray for things that would further and advance the kingdom of God and his glory and Christ being lifted up. We can't pray for anything. We pray for those things that will please God, advance his glory and advance his kingdom. That's a challenge, isn't it? Do I pray for myself? With that in mind, is my prayer that through my illness, through my challenge, through my trial, I would advance the kingdom. I'll have an opportunity for witness. I'll demonstrate I have a hold on Christ. I have joy which nobody can take from me. And that my joy is full because of Christ. We come to the Father through the Son, 
on the merits of Christ alone. And we can ask confidently and we can keep asking. That's what he tells them. He's going to tell them that from now on they'll know trials, persecution, sorrow. But keep asking and you will receive. The Lord delights to bless. Go back to the point of joy. How will our joy remain full? Because we can pray. Because we can ask with confidence. And in the midst of trials and difficulties and persecution, if we pray and ask in Christ's name, he will keep our joy full. And we will know joy and peace in believing. There are those that say, it's unspiritual to have joy in salvation. It's pious to say, I know that my Redeemer lives, and I have joy in my heart. But what has Christ taught here? That you may have joy, and it may be full, and no man can take it from you. Why? Because of what he's done. Not because I've got big faith, but because Christ has great love. And because Christ has given his merit to me, and I've been washed and cleansed, and no man can take that from me. Oh, look at the end of the chapter. He says, verse 31, Jesus answered them. They're beginning to realize he's leaving them. And there will be sorrow. Do ye now believe? Do you believe that I've come to be the Saviour? Behold, the hour comes, is now come. You will be scattered, persecuted. Every man to his own family and town, and you'll have to leave and go here and there, and shall leave me alone, scattered in Gethsemane. And yet, I'm not alone. Neither will you be, because you can pray to the Father through the Son. And because the Father is with me, I will be with you. That's what he's saying. Verse 33, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. Is there a heart tonight that needs peace, joy, joy that is full Joy that can't be taken away if it's in Christ, not joy in yourself. That in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Nobody ever promised that this will be all joy, humanly. No, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's the final lesson that Christ teaches before his great prayer. What a wonderful lesson. Joy that's full. Joy that can't be taken. Joy that's in Christ. And prayer where you can ask anything.